so my background, Marine Corps, selling copiers, managing a sales team for Xerox in Baltimore. Okay. And then I got the opportunity to become a director of sales at a really small company. It was about, it had uh, four sales reps who have been there for 17 years. They reported it directly to the president who was outselling as well. Like I got there and I had, you know, a big shot from Xerox coming in and I'm like, okay, Okay, here's what we got to do. Boom, boom, boom. Every single one of those salespeople was in the president's office asking him, like, why the fuck is this guy here? Can he please leave? Like, we've done good enough without him. We don't need him. Yeah. And it was very humbling because I quickly realized that I don't know. I know about sales, but I don't know shit about leadership. What's up, humans? This is the Revenue Rail Hotline. I'm your host, Amy Rahubchek. Big thank you for checking us out. That was Eric Konovalov host of the Lead, Sell, Grow podcast. Eric's got a book. He was an early member of the SalesCast community, a spot for sellers who podcast. Today, we get into the overlap of mental health and leadership skills and where to start. I started this podcast, friends, to ask the tough questions around how revenue is created, the questions no one else seemed to be asking, and to better understand the uncomfortable conversations that followed. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll bring you a revenue human shaking up the business of sales, regardless of title. Each episode turns our guest wisdom into practical advice that you can use to better understand the topic, the nature of uncomfortable conversations, and the critical thinking skills required to make an impact. If you like what you're hearing, do tell a friend. I take that as the highest compliment. And with that, enjoy. Hello, Eric Novel. Oh, God, I practiced it. Son of a bitch. Eric Konovalov. <laughs> it's well, Konovalov. Ka- Konovalov. Okay. Konovalov. There you go, Amy Smith. Amy Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, sir. I, um, hold on. I am not coming through my audio. Let me see this. This, I don't know. Okay. And also my, one of the other half of my ring light just broke. So this is like, I'll have to cry about that one later. So what'd you say? There's no crying. There's no crying in sales. Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to do, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. There's no, but can we cry in podcasting land? Is that allowed? Yes, yes, yes. We can can cry in podcasting. Oh my gosh. So Eric, have you listened to any of these episodes? Do you have any idea what you've gotten yourself involved in, sir? I listened to a few clips from a few of them today to getting understanding. Yes. Okay, good. Okay. So it's not a complete surprise. All right. So ah, this, there's, there's only one rule around here and that is that there are no rules. This is a judgment-free zone. This is a a mistake-friendly zone. This is a tangent-friendly zone. And yeah, I I generally reserve the last 10 minutes for like my final two questions. Oh my gosh, this camera delay is driving me nuts. Um, the for our final two questions, and sometimes I'll like give people a heads up of what those are, and sometimes not. But I think that you can handle it, so I think I'm going to surprise you there. Awesome. Um, our target audience is the experienced tech seller or the experienced seller, for that matter. Um, the theme of the show is conversations about uncomfortable conversations in sales, of which I'm sure we have plenty to choose from. And I generally, so I made a list of all things that we could possibly talk about. And then like, so I'm going to read that list to you and then toss it back to you. And it'll be then, you know, your decision to kind of choose where you'd like us to begin. All right, let's do it. All right, awesome. Okay, so the first one, I mean, it's got to be, it's the John, John C. Maxwell um, certification, which is just like mind-blowing. Um, it is, you know, the podcast, right? Lead, Sell, Grow, The Human Experience, something that you've been doing for, you know, I believe it's like a year and a half now, which is awesome. Uh, we could talk about your book, uh, B2B Sales Secrets. Um, we could talk about <laughs> your gremlin, 
which is your 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 pet name for the voice, the asshole dickhead voice in your head. Um, so we could I, I thought I was the only one that had uh, like a, an asshole voice in my head. But everyone that Eric motherfucker has- lives everywhere. <laughs> at once i'm telling you right now amy (laughs) oh my god so we could talk about the gremlin um we could talk about the zig ziglar documentary which i didn't even know was a thing but i want to hear like all the things like i love all these like classic sales stuff so um and then i i saw a post about that you did about journaling some like Mm -hmm. that you had gone back and read one of your entries from like three years prior and I'm, I'm personally, the reason why this made the list is one, I, I find that this particular habit to be incredibly impactful, um, right? At unraveling my own thoughts and feelings and emotions and understanding where they came from. But what I have yet to do, sir, is to go back and read entries. Like this still like kind of like is petrifying to me. Like I, I'd almost like once I get it out, it's like the gremlin is, has been silenced. But, you know, I know that there's learning to, to be had by going back. And then you you've, you had a, a post about resourcefulness and as that being like a really a, one of the most impactful ways to persevere and move through obstacles. And it really just it spoke to me. And so, uh, of course, and then, of course, Colin Mitchell and the the the, the community over there and, and what we're working on. And so that's definitely on the list. And so with that. I'm going to toss it back to you, sir. Where would you, where would you like to begin? My goodness. Wow. I would say for the audience's sake, I'd say the gremlin. The gremlin. Because, and, and you know what? That feeds into so many different things. So I'd say the gremlin and we can kind of use them however you want. We'll go from there. Okay. So why don't yeah. we start? Why don't you explain to our listeners, um, you know, what, who the gremlin is for you and how you came to name him and, you know, speak so openly about him or with, you know, wherever the hell else you want to, you want to like start with the gremlin with who is yours. So with that, I'm going to shut up. Yeah, definitely. So the gremlin and we all have them kind of residing in our mind and the, you know, I didn't name him the gremlin, actually a man by the name Ed DaCosta, who has a book called Ascend. He's a, like a renowned sales trainer. He was one of the trainers and coaches in the John Maxwell team on his faculty. He named him the gremlin. And I just okay. kind of, I was, as soon as he said gremlin, I knew exactly who he was talking about. And I said the same thing you said, oh, this, this asshole lives in my head too. <laughs> <laughs> so who is he? He's the guy that as soon as, or the gal, you know, or whatever pronoun you want to give them yeah. these days. Um, as soon as you want to do something that's out of your comfort zone, for example, I want to record a course, that slight little, very, very cunning voice that says, did you fold the laundry or did, did you remember to wash the dishes? Did you remember to answer that email? Did you remember to get the mail? Anything that'll take you away. And it sounds so innocent. Well, I'm being productive. I'm going to go wash the dishes. I'm being productive. I'm going to go make my bed, fold the laundry. I'm going to go get my mail. I'm going to go answer emails right now. I'm going to go, oh, you know what I should do? I should, I should research. I should do some researching about my target client. And my, you know, my LinkedIn page needs to get updated right now, right? <laughs> All this stuff is so productive. And the gremlin's job is to keep us in our comfort zone. So the mind perceives comfort zone as safety and growth zone as danger because it feels so uncomfortable. And that's in every part of our life. So my gremlin, I, I, have, to very, I have to silence myself and have these conversations in my head. And sometimes it sounds like this, and I'll be completely honest with you. And you guys might think I'm crazy after this, but I'm telling you, it works for me. That's how I got the book out. That's how my podcast is working. That's it, it works, right? Mm-hmm. To actually do what we what it is that we want to do deep down inside. It works to talk to that inner gremlin. And if I'm sitting down to do an online course, which I keep saying right now because I'm that's my Is that what you're procrastinating? <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. No, procrastinating is the wrong word, but oh my no, 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 no. It's not procrastinating. Let me just show you. Can I show you my office right hey, now? Hell yeah, you can. Okay, look. So here's the light here, here's the light there. Okay. There's a digital 
uh, screen. Here's a tripod. Here's another tripod. Uh, um, I've wheeled, I've wheeled that freaking screen around 50 different ways Yeah. to get the light bulb out of it to do like, I'm, I'm trying to get the perfect scene. Mm-hmm. And then I had to stop and look at all the online courses that I've bought. And some of them are in the worst lighting in the worst room. And like the guys wearing a tank top or no shirt at all. I'm kidding. I, they're all usually clothed. Um, and you know, it's that gremlin. It's like, well, let's, everything has to be perfect, perfect before yes. we start. Yes. But it's never going to be perfect. You can make it better along the way. So, so, okay. So the gremlin will say to me, Hey, uh, your LinkedIn profile needs an update. And I'll say, okay, you know, uh, you're right. It probably does. But why don't we just see if we can work on this right now for the next hour and then look at the LinkedIn profile later. So it's not an argument, right? It's like, it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. It does need it. But I'm going to go try something else, right? Because I got that scheduled. And we have to have these conversations in our own mind. Otherwise, you don't even know that it's the gremlin. You think it's you. Hmm. It's so interesting that you say this. So I was just working on the episode that I did with Larry Long Jr. And I share this, right? So this is the one that's getting published tomorrow, I think Friday. Yeah. So, and it came to my, so to this is along the same veins of the gremlin, right? And it's, 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 I'm chuckling because the gremlin apparently has a lot of different costumes, right? He wears a lot of, or she, right? Whatever pronoun to your point that, that someone identifies with, right? They wear a lot of costumes. And one of the things that came to my attention when I was listening to um, Take Care Stories, right? Which is something that I touch on in the Mercy Lee Bell episode. It's, is this idea of how cunning the gremlin can be. And right. When we marry that with, with what I call right, our default brains, right. This is the, the brain that we were given at birth and we all have a default brain, but it, when we don't work on our mentals, right. So this is, so how long the default brain continues to impact our, our behavior and our choices is, is to be determined. However, 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 our default brains were designed, you know, back in the day, right? So think caveman, think, you know, holy shit, there's a lion, right? Let me run away so that I can save myself and my family and what have you. And so now, right, in the modern world, these default brains don't generally serve us very well, right? We associate discomfort, right, as that same type of fear, that lion. And so the brain is going to do what it's going to do to keep us alive, right? Or to keep us safe. And to your fantastic point, uh, discomfort is can be very painful or is often very painful however the conniving nature of the gremlin right it's it will use like so in one of these stories somebody was talking about how the thought it had to do with it was like a positive thing like i have to gosh i don't even remember but the point is that it the gremlin will use whatever hook it can get its claws into to get you to stop doing whatever the uncomfortable thing is. And it feels. So real. Yeah. It's, and I don't want to say like, it's not fair. Cause Larry called me out on that. He's like, life's not fair. It just, it's like, no one knows us better than our brains. And they know all of the hooks or the brain, right? The gremlin, that voice knows all of the hooks, knows all of the things that are going to get us to stop what we're doing and retreat back into our comfort zone. And unless we have, you know, really started, start to work up the mental disciplines around, not, not to silence it per se, but to almost like placate it so that we can get our shit done, like the important shit. Um, you know, it's, I, I feel bad for those that are, you know, still operating in on a, like lack of awareness, I guess you could say. Totally. Well, let me ask you this. How would you, how do you define 
brain versus mind? Like, how do you differentiate the brain between the mind? I use the words interchangeably for purposes of this conversation. Um, okay. But I, when I think of the mind, I think of like the mind, body, and soul are all connected to making smart choices, smart decisions. And so the brain is just one piece of the equation, I guess you could say. But I love that you're starting with let's define some terms. How, how would you define or differentiate between the brain and the mind? So this may sound a little cookie to you, but I think the mind is what connects us to the universe, God, um, whatever you want to call it, right? So if you're if you're not a theologian, then it's universal energy. Energy can never be created or destroyed, right? It just moves on. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, a theologian, it's God. Kind of one and the same, if you ask me. So that's just my personal belief. I think the mind connects us. Like if you if you were to, and the brain, the brain is the kind of the the mechanical switching station that once the mind makes a decision, the brain acts on it, right? So subconsciously, the mind is making decision for your blood to pump, for us to breathe, for my lungs to work, for like right now, there are millions of things that are going on in our bodies that you have, like you're not controlling in any way, shape or form with your brain or, or the mind. It's all happening subconsciously. So like your hair is growing, your nails are growing, your blood is pumping, um, so the brain is the electrical station that's making sure all this is happening. But if you dissect the brain, you'll never find an idea anywhere. You'll never find a thought. You'll never, no one's ever seen anything in the brain. And that's why we even say it's my brain. Well, who's the my? It's my hand. Who, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I so I, brain. It's like, so I, I kind of separated into like mind, body and soul and, or I don't know, but I, I'm not a theologian either, but I do like stoicism and I do like ancient wisdom and I do like tapping into the universe. And I do believe that we are here on this planet for others, right? We're supposed to show up for others. And I think that there's a, a remembering aspect um, to that responsibility. So imagine the hyphen in between the word like RE hyphen member. And so whatever you, someone needs to tap into remember to remember um, why we're here and where those, those that credence, I guess you could say, or credo came from, that's a different topic. Okay, so how did you come to be so... Wait, wait, what do you mean by tap in? What do I mean? tapping into? Yeah, you said when somebody needs to tap in to remember, right? Put things together, right? What are you tapping into? (laughs) What a great question. I think that we are tapping into a part of ourselves, a part of ourselves, uh, like a soul type of thing. That, where does that exist? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know where the fuck that exists. I've spent <laughs> more well, time. That's the mind. So, so okay. I'd like to break that down because sure. you call it the soul, right? Like it's that. So yes, I a hundred percent agree with you, but to me, that's what I talk about. Uh, that's what I, when I talk about the mind, that, that's exactly what I mean. My dog is making the strangest noises right now. I'm just like looking at her to make sure she's not like dying. Holy shit. Um, she's definitely like dreaming. Okay. Sorry. That's what I'm doing. Like, that's it's like, oh my God, is the dog dying? This is my ride or die bitch. Hold on. Wait, I'll see if I can get the, um, that's Lola. <laughs> Normally she's in my, uh, the co-pilot chair that sits right next to me. Okay. So how did you, I want to go back to this idea of where, when did you become so aware of your own brain and thought patterns? Like, let's leave the mind stuff up, you know, as you would define it, the mind stuff on the side for now, like, how did you come to be 
so in tune with, you know, how the brain connects with our bodies and our souls and how it, you know, drives the decisions that we make, you know, minute by minute. Okay, and so, I don't want to use the word therapy, right? Because that's a that's a thing. We're not we're not talking therapy, but it's I yeah. you know I I think that feelings right are a big part of it, and it's it's been my experience that that's an easier conversation for for women to arrive at um, for those of us that were raised in like some Western society. And so, like, how did you like what talk to me? How did you get I mean, there? So when you say brain, I'm saying mind, okay? Like, oh, okay. I, I don't think the, the brain controls it. So it's important for me to make that distinction because the brain is just a physical controlling station. The mind, I think, is what you're talking about when you're asking me this. And I'll share with you a story really quick. So about four years ago, I'm a healthy dude. I ran, you know, I'm in the gym in the mornings. I'm running. This is four years ago. I wake up one morning and I'm like in the worst pain Ever. Like I can barely move something's seriously wrong with my back. And I'm that guy, you know, eight years in the Marine Corps. I'm the last person who's going to go to see a doctor or hospital. You know, I'll, I'll take 15 ibuprofens before I do that. But yeah. for something said, go to the ER. I get to the ER and um, they start doing x-rays for my back. And they come out and they say, listen, there's nothing wrong with your back, but your, your heart looks a little bit enlarged. Now, I'm 37 years old, healthy. I eat healthy. I run, exercise. Like your heart looks enlarged. Something's wrong. And at that point, my back stopped hurting. There was nothing wrong with my back at all. And the back stopped hurting. Well, forward a couple more months of tests, I actually ended up at NIH blood work, x-rays, different breathing. And turns out I was born with a heart defect where I had veins coming out of the wrong side of my heart and going into the wrong side of the lungs. And so my, my heart for 30 plus years was not getting um, enough oxygenated blood. It was overworked and a heart's a muscle. So that's why I was enlarged at this point. But here I am with this birth defect that when you hear kids dying on soccer fields in high school, just dropping dead, this is kind of what I had. This is except where it for came mine. from. Yeah. So except for mine kind of, you know, went a little bit further and let me live a little bit further. So I had to have open heart surgery at 37. Sure. So I got this pretty nice, badass scar to, to prove it. <laughs> oh, wow. And, Listeners, there's a big scar down at Eric's chest. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It keloided. But so the... At that point, I realized that something in me knew that something's wrong, even though I had no idea. And that, that little, just little nudge that's like, hey, go to the hospital. If I wouldn't have listened, like if I would have been my own self and just said, nah, I'm just going to take some pain, kill, pain meds, I'll be fine. Uh, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when I told the doctor, when he said, hey, you're going to have open, you have to have open heart surgery. I said, um, okay, doc, well, you know, it's May. We got some vacations planned this summer. Why don't we schedule it for sometime in the fall? He's like, I'm going on vacation. When I'm back in a week, we're doing it. <laughs> you don't have till the fall. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's how it works. And I see it in my kids. I have two sons. One of them has celiac disease, which means that he's oh, allergic. Oh, sure. Gluten-free. Yeah. Well, I remember, and he, at some point he just, he was born 50th percentile for weight and 70th for height. And at about three years old, all his peers and classmates kind of started out growing him and he wasn't growing. And, um, and I remember even at, at two, three years old, we're at birthday parties and I'm like, you know, my wife and I are trying to stuff him with calories as much as possible. We're like, Hey, you can't have any cake. If you don't eat pizza, if you don't finish your pizza, right. he didn't want the pizza. And if he ever got his hands on a cupcake, he would lick off the frosting and leave the cake alone. Like he would never eat it. Mm -hmm. It's like his little body knew that it wasn't good for him. So I, just those experiences. Then if you've ever read Think and Grow Rich, I mean, that's 
that book will tell you, right? I mean, that's all the mind, right? What's it called? The ether? <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the conscious mind, the subconscious mind. Then I read a book called um, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And that's by Shad Helmstetter. We actually had him on a podcast. And his premise is he's a doctor. He's been doing it. The guy's like 80 years old now. But he's, the book is fascinating. And the premise is that our minds are like a computer. You're always constantly programming yourself. So when you say, I'm not a good public speaker, one can argue that the reason you're not a good public speaker is because you're programming yourself to say you're not a good public speaker. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So... It's funny. There was a year, Eric, where I, when I first started selling, um, and there was a Tom Tom on my dashboard just to date myself. I did a lot of. I did, I gave up music for a year so that I could listen to books on tape. And nobody loves fucking music more than I do, friend. Like nobody. And and I didn't even allow myself nonfiction, right? <laughs> or excuse me, fiction. It was all nonfiction. But I misinterpreted a lot of these mindset type books that it was where to the point where I did not allow myself to process or feel any of the negative feelings. Right. And so we could play with neuro-linguistic programming. Right. So just a quick peek at their Wikipedia page. You could see how that's been disproven. And I know you're pushing back on the idea of brain versus mind. But the brain aspect of this conversation is really important because there's a lot of new science that suggests it's a myth buster really about neuroplasticity and how essentially how quickly these neural pathways can be created when we inject some new, you know, how thoughts, right. Or new conversations, right. Or silence the gremlin long enough to plant some other seeds inception style. But that said, I, I think it's critical to inject science into this conversation, right? And just again, from my experience, because I went a decade, again, aspiring not to feel anything bad. And the ch- and now as someone that was reading about habits and behavior change and using those to, you know, help my buyers and prospects to make smarter, better, different decisions or, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, I got really good at not feeling those negative feelings. And the challenge (laughs) is that there's no such thing as icing out just bad feelings, right? If you're going to ice out some form of those feelings, you, you lose them all. And so after a decade, right, I, (sighs) My my feelings and emotions essentially revolted because I hadn't acknowledged them. I had not interacted with them for for a very long time, and so then I had an, a very up close and personal experience with the mental health care system. And so I, I'm always very careful about the line between mindset or brain and and mind because. It's like, you know, I, I want to say if I can save one person, right, from the uh, the experience that, that I had, right, with your emotions revolting and having to seek out professional help. And then once you're in the system, they tend there's an over-reliance on pills and like all that shit. Confidence takes a hit. And so I think it's really, really important to, you know, understand and separate the difference, including, right, negative feelings. They're are not bad, right? And they're going to come up in your brain, right? And so, and I read Napoleon Hill too, right? Thinking Grow Rich. I love that shit. However, I now more subscribe to uh, like, a, there's a roomy poem called The Guest House. And it acknowledges the fact that negative thoughts are going to come. Negative feelings are going to come. This is a critical part of the human experience, but it's what, what we choose to feed, right? That grows. And also they come in waves. And so we acknowledge them. We distance ourselves from them in the sense that I am not my thoughts and feelings. 
they're just a part of the the human experience and then and then they they leave and they they move on but the trick is is learning how to respond or react to those feelings when they come in a positive and healthy way and that is where I think the, the sweet sauce is. And I think what we're essentially saying the same thing. And so learning how to, you know, hear that gremlin, not beat ourselves up because, you know, we had this crazy thought come or because we had this crazy emotion come, one that is, you know, deemed as a negative one like anger or fear, right, generally by society, which is not true. These are just of feelings, right? Then we all have them. And so, but again, thank you for allowing me that diatribe because I think it's a really important distinction to to put out there that that just because someone has a negative thought or has a negative feeling or has a gremlin that pops up, one, we do not have to feed that gremlin. And it does not, we are not our thoughts and our feelings. And in the same way, like, you know, staring in the mirror and repeating affirmations that we don't ourselves believe right for 10 minutes that that can create a delta there you know and so that's not necessarily the the best course of action not to take away from affirmations or anything but anyway what would you say to all of that sir so i i'm not sure exactly what you went through i certainly don't subscribe to uh ignoring feelings yeah i'm more of the, so my philosophy and as a coach, this is what I try to help people do mm-hmm. is increase their level of awareness Yeah, because through journaling, it's good to get those thoughts out of your head and on paper and then question, well, what's making me feel this way? Why do I, you know, trying to really understand like, yeah, I'm angry right now. Why am I feeling this? I think is more important. And sometimes it's good to just sit in the anger and, you know, go be alone for a little while. There's, you got to understand um, where you're coming from. Right. 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 In, in my mind. No. So I love that. Okay. So this brings us full circle. It's not very often, Eric, that I hear men speaking about feeling so freely and so succinctly, like how did you come to own the reality of, of feelings and being able to one, be aware of them, acknowledge them, talk about them, journal about them and coach others on how to operate through them, the good and the bad and then the neutral. Yes, sure. So I, I'm a firm believer of law of attraction, law of vibration, universal laws just worked in my life. Like the, the journal entry, I got two journals right here. Like I'm not, this isn't, and, and if I, you know, flip through this one, you'll see that it's full. It's not, it's not something, there you go. It's not something that's a fab or it's a part of my life. And a lot of the times I, not that I figured out by myself, but through books, through my own personal coach that I've hired, I figured out how to attract the things I want into my life. And what I realized is it's all, uh, because I've learned how to vibrate at certain frequencies. So for example, the best way I can describe this is right now in your room, there's music playing, you're not hearing it. But if I was to give you a, a radio tuner and you just turned the dial, you would tune into a wave at which 92.3 is, and it has whatever music it has, or 105.7 or whatever radio station there is. They're there right now. You're just not tuned into them. And so everything I want for my life is there at a certain vibrational frequency. And the way to tune into it is through feelings. And, and the, the highest feeling that humans can have where we're just operating at our optimal is love and joy. And the opposite of that is is fear and anger wait so like so my tagline right truth love and joy friends right there all actions are come from a place of either love or fear and that is from a book called conversations with god have you ever read I love this book? that neil donald walsh it's so funny because like just to i'm getting chills because i just had a call with julie riesler who's a good friend of mine who interviewed him 
Yesterday, I was talking about that book to my chiropractor. And 10 minutes before this call, I had the thought to go on his website and invite him onto our show. So the fact that you just brought up that book, it's probably one of my favorite books ever. So, um, uh, okay. So listeners, yeah, go you, you got to read this book, but like, okay, so let me, Eric, let me share with you how I got to this book. So I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian household. When I turned 18, I pieced the fuck out. Right. And I did not look back. And I still like in very, in many ways, want nothing to do with it. And mm-hmm. Um, these are things that I've spoken about on other episodes. We're just going to skip past this. I was doing, I did, um, Ryan holidays read to lead challenge. Are you familiar with this? Have you seen any of these Mm -hmm. like challenge models? Okay. So I'm a Ryan holiday fan, but yeah. Okay. So, but you know, you're familiar with the daily challenge, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. I was doing this because I'm a voracious reader, right? And so I was just doing like some research, right? I was doing market research on on the model and there wasn't anything I could possibly learn from. (laughs) But anyway, so obviously I was wrong and something I figured out like in sentence number one after paying the 40 bucks for the stupid course. But anyway, one one of the challenges that day was to, or for a day, was to ask a person who you respect tremendously for a book that changed their life. And I was working with uh, a, a professional coach, Laura Westman at, at the time. And Laura, she's just like, to die for it. She's amazing. And Laura recommends this book, Conversations with God. And I was like, son of a bitch. Like I, like, I would have never reached for this book because it had the word God in it, right? Like with a capital G, like if we're talking mythology, more than one God, no problem. And I was like, God damn it. Okay, so fine. Like I buy the book and it blew my mind. It blew my mind. That's where I got the remember from, right? That's not mine. Like that's his, it's the, the truth love. And I mean, there are so many. Yeah. And I love that this was, so you're going to bring him on the show. This is something that you're well, going to ask. I just got the idea to bring him on the show. I don't know if he'll come on. I mean, you guys are pretty popular dude. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. Um, do okay. No, so you what, know what? Fuck that. I am going to bring him. Yeah. On bring him on. Don't yeah. listen to that gremlin. Like, yeah, the fuck. Does you see that? Yeah, we'll try. He's popular. You might not want to be on your show. Fuck you, asshole. He's coming on my show. You could send him a clip of you could see you could send him a clip of, of this conversation. No, but this book. Um, yeah, okay. Okay. So uh, I agree with that vision of God. Yeah, I do too. That is the God that I subscribe to. Yeah. That speaks to me. So can I so listeners, this God and the way that it's it's positioned in this book it's it's a very i don't know it's like they the you could so the idea is the author is legit like having a conversation with god and it's supposedly something that that actually happened which is hard to grasp right and i had somebody told me that before i read it i would have been like get get out of here with right. this shit but the um, wisdom in it like you can't, oh it's, it's mind-blowing it's it mind-blowing. is mind-blowing and so but it, there's a so the the person that's questioning right this this God, right, of the book is is definitely coming from a Christian perspective. However, he's being shot down at every stage. And so like really pulling away from this framework of of Christianity as being like the only path to God and then multiplied by 20,000. Right. So just to put it in perspective. So I'm with you on that, Eric. And I, when I say the universe, when I use the word universe, that's that's kind of the the entity that i think of um is is almost like a exclusively channeled from from this book which pulls in like wisdom from the east too right so it's not Absolutely. just it's not just western um philosophy either i mean just talk about like an all-encompassing okay oh my gosh that was pretty cool i don't think i've ever had a conversation with someone who has read that book that's pretty uh, well, I crazy. didn't read it. I listened to it. Oh, you listened? And I listened well, to all 36 hours. And then I just found out that there's a book four that's out. Okay. Came out recently. Okay. So the first book blew me away. The second one, eh. The third one was really good. And I'd like to hear the fourth one. I, it's, I, only, did the, I only did the first one, but I think I read it two or three times because it was um, like it was, I call it mind bending. 
Yeah. It was and like on every the audible. It's an actual interview, right? So they have actually oh, two voices, two different voices. So at times, you know, the author has the same one. So he's talking and then sometimes a man answers and sometimes a very nice kind of friendly woman answers. And like, almost like, a, you know, the grandma that you absolutely love is, yeah. is God's voice. And I think on Audible, I just, I'm picturing him sitting at a coffee table with God and just having this conversation. And it, yeah, it's mind bending. I totally agree with you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's, that's crazy. All right. So can we talk about why we don't see more of John Maxwell's teachings in tech sales leadership circles. And, and Eric, I distinguish between sales boss and sales leader. And the numbers that I, I'm pointing at to, to back up a statement, like the majority of us grew up on sales floors that were pretty toxic. Um, and when you told me that you were certified and when you shared that you had actually spent an hour with this like amazing human being. Um, I, yeah, like I, I just, it one, it blew me away, but at the same time, like part, part of me was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, can we be friends? But the other part of me was like, why don't we hear more about John C. Maxwell's brand of leadership in the tech space? I don't know. You know, maybe, be the t- I don't know why. What what do you hear in the tech space? I mean, the majority of I I I don't I hear a lot of people using that word leader, but I mm-hmm. think the majority of scenarios like would fall under the category of sales boss. I think the idea of a filter bubble comes to mind in tech. I think of the. I don't even want to say lack of diversity because diversity, like we're, we're talking about a very select group of people that look like, sound alike, went through the same schools, um, grew up in the same way. And so there's a lot of groupthink happening and or excluding of different experiences. And so, you know, there's there's tons of factors, but I'm I guess I'm more just like observing on the macro level and it's. I haven't really gotten into, you know, what's the cause for it. And I guess I don't really care all that much. I just want to talk about how I want to talk about Maxwell. I want to talk about how studying Maxwell and the law of the lid and the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and the developing the leaders within and the, the five levels of leadership, like, I just want to talk about those things. And so like, where would you, which one is your favorite? How did you get into Maxwell? Let's start. Okay. So I was managing. uh, So my background, Marine Corps, selling Mm -hmm. copiers, managing a sales team for Xerox in Baltimore. Okay. And then I got the opportunity to become a director of sales at a really small company. It it had uh, four sales reps who have been there for 17 years. They reported it directly to the president who was outselling as well. Like, okay. And um, I got there and I had, you know, a big shot from Xerox coming in and I'm like, okay, okay here's what we got to do. Boom, boom, boom. Every single one of those salespeople was in the president's office asking him like, why the fuck is this guy here? Can he please leave? Like we've done good enough without him. We don't need him. Yeah. And it was very humbling because I quickly realized that I don't know, I know about sales, but I don't know shit about leadership. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I had this habit of being in the gym early in the morning, like you, the treadmill, when I'm on a treadmill or any machine is my classroom, same as the car. Mm-hmm. And so I started on YouTube, Googling, you know, leadership, how to mm-hmm. be a good leader, leading teams, like all this stuff. And John Maxwell kept coming up. I've never read a John Maxwell book before this point in my life. This is what year was this, Eric, if you don't mind time stamping. Sure. 2015. Okay. Okay. Maybe 2014, late 2014, early 2015. Okay. And, um, you know, the algorithm knows what you're searching for. John Maxwell had a certification program. His salespeople started reaching out to me and I'm like, okay, well, this guy is probably someone I need to follow. Let me go get certified to be a better leader. That, mm-hmm. that was the goal. So I went to this, uh, I joined a program 
spent back then like almost seven grand, I think, went all in. Yeah. Like I'm determined. I want to be a good leader because I want to grow my team. Right. And that's how I got involved. I started, I just immersed myself with John books. Like I got a whole shelf full of just John books. Um, and the reason why is because as I was watching these YouTube videos, I started implementing, right? So um, just simple shit like, hey, uh, write a note to your team members, just telling them you appreciate them and something specific they did that you appreciate. So I started doing that compliment. Like I saw one of the salespeople by the, um, by the water cooler and uh, I'm like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? She said, she told me, I said, you know, well, you sounds like you're such a great mom, just a simple personal kind of, it sounds like you're a great mom from she, I think she fell in love with me from that point on. Like (laughs) she was just, it was yeah. just a compliment that she doesn't hear very often. It's a different way. It's it's complimenting people at their core and, and complimenting about something that really means something to them versus maybe not even complimenting them for the sale they closed or complimenting them for the sale they closed. Hey, great job closing that sale. Right. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, and I realized after about a month and a half of that, I started getting invited to barbecues on Saturday. Right. They had like a secret club where they would get together. I wasn't invited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now I'm in now yeah. coming to barbecues and our kids are hanging out. And yeah, that really built the team differently. Yeah. So I realized the power of good leadership. Yeah. And John's whole motto is everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm-hmm. So I went all in, got certified. And then through that certification program, they teach you how to start a coaching and training company on leadership using John's materials. So I started doing that for a while and the goal guide was born. And then I sat down to write a book and that was going to be a leadership book. And I realized that every freaking thing I'm writing is, is John's stuff. <laughs> I'm like yeah. paraphrasing John's stuff. Yeah. 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 And so I, you know, the, the sales the kind of to yeah. me a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Wow. All right. Um, I almost want you to read off. So I'm, I'm coming back to those books on your shelves, like just reading off a bunch of titles. Um, so that that's coming back. But I, so I was raised by a sales leader and there were, you, do you remember how, I don't know if he still does it. He probably does, but it was like a book on CD, like a new one once a week or once a month. John would do those? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I would take them. Right. So like, uh-huh. I, and so now I, this was 2007. Right. And so like I would take them and I, this is how I got introduced to John. And then of course it was all the books, but I will say this, right. So back to like misinterpreting things, um, as a as a kid that I read or heard, right, audio, it was the five levels of leadership. And um, like the first one being positional authority. And I like, I, I misconstrued that like you, you didn't, you, like, I thought like, okay, this is the lowest level of leadership. So I'm just, I'm going to be a leader, right? But I don't need, I, I don't need the title, you know, and so like it was, and I, this is something that I actually unravel in like the Scott Lee's episode. So this is a really recent thing. And it was actually an exercise from that Ryan Holiday read to lead challenge. It was like, you should go back and reread things that you read back in the day so that you could have a, you know, like a different perspective mm-hmm. absorbing the same content. So I didn't actually read a Maxwell book for the challenge day, but I, I applied it. Right. And so anyway, so this was part of me unraveling. Okay, shit. I really fucked that up. Like when I was understanding it as a kid, but anyway, so that said, like, would you read some of the titles on your, on your bookshelf? Just so our listeners yeah, I can, can show hear. you. I mean, well, let's, um, we're, we're a podcast. So, so this, this is an audio. <laughs> so you're looking, yeah, but I'll show you cause you can see it. So up right, top yeah. is one, but then on the bottom, we got 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, 15 laws of growth, Leadership gold, intentional living, no limits, leadership, uh, good leaders ask great questions or great leaders ask good questions. Yes. I can't remember which ones that is. Uh, five levels of leadership. Uh, everybody communicates, few connect, today matters, 
developing the leader within you. Um, what's that dream one? I forgot. I can't see it from here. Uh, 25 ways to win with people. Like there's just, I mean, it's a whole, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't stop. I forgot about the listening one. Um, Okay, listeners, for anybody that's interested in pursuing anything leadership or understanding what leadership is or how to go about um, growing those skills, this is this is a this is the place where where I would start. I've never seen anything better, and I frankly I've never met anyone that was John Maxwell certified other than Eric. So, Eric's got some brownie points That's there, awesome. which is amazing. And so, this is one of the things, friends, that we are talking about um, over in Colin Mitchell's community. Um, and so, Eric, we're, I think we're we're it's we're on the fence of between like keeping it sales sales hustle or like just making it full salescast.co. But anyway, so Eric and I are, um, you know, playing around with this idea of skill development for frontline managers as it relates to leadership development. And I, Eric, I can't think of a, a person that is more uh, like better positioned um, to lead the charge on that front than you. And frankly, I'm actually super interested about Xerox, right? When I think about thick skin, when I think about knocking on doors, when I think about just like, you know, the learning about selling in one of the most um, raw places, Xerox is it like what comes to mind. And so like, I'm looking at the clock. Yeah. We've, we got to switch to, to our final 10 or my final two questions here, but like, I'm sorry, we missed the Xerox story from like military to Xerox. <laughs> uh, but, nope, no worries. Maybe we'll do another one. Yeah. We'll do another one. I like that. We'll do it on your show or like, not that I'm going to no, invite sure. myself, but like invite me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. Two final two, one's a question. One is a piece of advice and I'll give them both to you. Now the first one is, or the second one, right? The easier, this is the toss up. It's what's your one piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. All right. So that one we'll come back to, but the first one is, what is the hardest, most uncomfortable conversation that you've ever had to have in a, like in a revenue context? And that could be prospect, client, boss, hiring manager, um, team, uh, a peer, a spouse, children, right? Because there are ripple effects to not allowing mental health into the conversation. So... So pretty I mean, much we're the talking- hardest conversation I've ever had to have in my whole life with anybody and everybody. <laughs> Let me share with you a sales conversation. Like one of my salespeople had to have this conversation. Okay. Um, so the, the company where I became director of sales, we kind of, we, we grew it and got into other services. Like instead of just selling copiers now is like managed IT services and things like that. But the okay. backend systems really weren't in place. We had a good team in place to you know, answer calls and set up people's, manage people's IT stuff, but just backend it sucked. So we convinced one of our clients who's a tough, tough client. Like this guy is, he told me flat out one time, he said, Eric, your competitors right across the street from me. Don't think I don't know that. I'm doing business with you because I like you and I trust you. Don't F it up. Got it. I got it. So here we are. And this guy is tough. Like he's just a tough dude. So <laughs> he signs on with us for something like, I don't know. What's 22 grand divided by six? Uh, three, three something thousand dollars a month, maybe perfect. a little bit more, $3,300 a month, Perfect. which for us was a good size agreement. Like for five years, 33 $100 a month contract that just brought in 3300 bucks to a company yeah. for IT services, which are freaking brand new. Like, is that something we've- Yeah, it wasn't commoditized yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we've convinced this guy that we can do a good job for him and his employees as they grow. Our billing team forgot to bill him. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened with the paperwork. Like, that guy did not receive an invoice until it got to about 22 grand. And somebody saw that we weren't being profitable in this account that clearly should be profitable. Mm -hmm. 
So I get called into the finance people's office and they're like, hey, uh, here's a bill for $22,000. We need you to go and tell him that he has to pay this now. So here's a small business where I need Cash to flow go is king, have, yeah. Cash flow is king. I had to go and have this conversation with him. So that was fun. That was tough because it was me and the rep and he went, he blew up. He exploded, right? And I didn't have, we fucked up. He exploded. And I think had it not been for all the John Maxwell training and communication training, I probably would have tried to be defensive and logically explain to him why, you know, he should still pay. I mean, clearly you've received the services. We've done a good job for you. You should pay for this logically, right? But I remember what I did and the rep begged, she's like, Eric, can you please hand, I don't know, you know, can you, and this was a learning opportunity for her to watch this. I didn't want to throw her into the fire. So I let him explode on me and I agreed with him on everything. Mm -hmm. How in the fuck, what kind of business are you guys running over there? Are you crazy? You think I'm going to pay this? I was like, I used his name. We'll call him John. It's not John, but I was like, John, you're absolutely right. I probably wouldn't want to pay this either. You got damn right. I don't paid. I can't believe how incompetent you are, man. I would, I would think we're incompetent too. the same way you're thinking it. I, dude, I would be so pissed if this happened to me. Right. And I, I kind of aligned myself with him and I let him blow up. And at the end I said, do we provide a good service? He's like, yeah, I said, 22 grand is a hard pill to swallow at once. How, how do you think we should break this up? I shouldn't pay for this at all. We, come on, John. Is that even what, what would happen if your team messed up? Would you just give that up? I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I probably would be in the same boat, but, but how can we split this up to make it better for you? And, you know, within the 30 minutes, he, we came up with like a payment plan. He paid it. And uh, what was really cool is when time came for, for a renewal, mm-hmm. Prices dropped on some equipment. The rates for lease rates dropped. And I knew he was still kind of pissed about that. So in the new deal, uh, he was already talking to me about going to a competitor. And I said, well, listen, if you, you know, we stay, you stay with us. We're going to give you 50% of that 22K back. (laughs) It was just because the prices shifted and we just, you know, took it out of our slight profit margins and won the deal back. So it was, I don't know, it ended up being very cool. Um, but that was the toughest conversation I think to have in a business setting. I mean, oh, that's a massive discount. They just, <laughs> you, um, but I understand with the, we the, still were profitable. Oh yeah. We with the cost of, of goods sold um, decreasing as they were, that was, that was also pretty big of you to extend that back to him. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a big one. And I love the way that you broke that down and kudos to you for supporting your rep through that one and not, you know, just kind of leaving her out to dry. Um, okay. So last one, one piece of advice <clears throat> for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. What say you, sir? I would say they, they say they put yourself in other people's shoes and the way I would say this, and, and it depends on the uncomfortable conversation, right? There's an uncomfortable conversation where you're the one that has to initiate the uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. And then there's an uncomfortable conversation where somebody else initiates it and now it's uncomfortable. So in a sense where somebody else is initiating the conversation and you just, you know, your initial thought is to get angry. If you just believe that if you grew up the way that person grew up, had the same day that person had up until this moment, had the same week, had the same life, has the same family, you would be doing exactly the same thing as that person is doing. Mm-hmm. So consider that in their shoes, you'd be doing exactly the same thing that's pissing you off. Yeah. And that takes the edge off. And that kind of allows you to respect the person on a different level. So that's what I do. Uh, listen more than you talk in uncomfortable conversations. 
So can you give me an example? I think I'm better if it was like, an ex- hey, here's the type of conversation you either have to Dude, you just gave two in. fantastic pieces of I advice. Okay, yeah, like that was amazing. And they've never been given before. So like that was baller. Okay, that was cool. baller. One of the things I personally hate as a leader is firing people. Okay. Like that's the worst to me. Yeah. So to me, those are uncomfortable conversations. Telling a female sales rep that, you know, her boobs are sticking out is uncomfortable conversation. Like I try not to do those, right? I'm no expert. I go to HR and I'm like, Hey, here, can you help me with this? <laughs> right? Wait a second. Wait a second. Are we talking about cleavage showing or like, or yeah, just, yeah, yeah. like just maybe a little too short. Maybe the cleavage is popping a little too much. Like, all right. I'm going to cut to Eric off here. Uh, listener friends. If you have any female women on the team, right. Ask another woman on the team to talk to them about their attire. Um, but there's a fine line here. Fine line, fine line, fine line, because, yeah, well, we'll save the gender conversation for another day. Very fine line. There is a very fine line, but yeah. That's why I go to HR and I ask them to help. <laughs> um, even so, like HR is scary. Like I would say find another woman on the on the sales team. That was what was that was one of the best leaders that I've ever encountered um in business when I moved to the city and there's like a piece of me, like we were squeezing elastic, like stretching elastic on skirts and to find like the perfect amount. Right. But, you know, and there's also a bullshitness part of this, Eric, because it was like too when it was, there was less elasticity than that, like, then it was safe, but anything past this particular line, then anything that happened, I was essentially asking for it. And so I'm dating myself a little bit there too. So there's a, there's a fine line. We can also teach, the men and the buyers around us to not be fucking douchebags too. That's also a way to handle that one. 100% agree. Okay. Yeah. Just because a woman wears a short skirt does not mean that, that she's is... flirting or that, that, you know, you have the green light to be nope, an asshole. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and so thank you for letting me push back a little bit there, friend. All right. Eric. Yeah, I don't feel like that's a pushback. I think uh, my whole point was I wasn't, I was, Smart enough not to have that yeah, you're uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> yeah. and, and the reason I went to HR is because it just happened to be women. And, you know, it, are my, you saying you didn't it, have women on your sales team? But well, you don't have to answer that no, one. But oh, OK, good, I good, good. well, I think it's well, I and I'm going to push back, if not push back. Right. To your point, we're having a conversation. Women sellers understand more than HR and their stigma associated with having a conversation with HR. And so for anyone that's listening, I would, I'm going to triple quadruple down, ask a a woman on the sales team um, to have that conversation. And so, but again, with the content, but on the same time, men, you hear any stories about women that are selling into like a male dominated field, like we believe them and we, um, we learned how to have hard conversations with prospects and or mm-hmm. buyers where we walk away because in no universe is that acceptable, no matter what somebody is wearing. Totally agree. Okay. So with that, I'm going to put that. So my, my soapbox, I'm just going to tuck that back away and push it, push it into the corner. Um, all right, Eric, this was so fun. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And I, you know, it really, I look forward to the things that we're going to do together. Truly, truly, truly. And excited about it. Yay. And uh, to, to our listeners, to my listeners, thank you for making the decision to, to listen today and to stay with us through the remainder of the conversation. It means the world. Truth, love, and joy, friends. A line I got from Conversations with God. And what a great book. And happy selling. All right, Eric, have an, have an amazing day. I'll talk to you soon. Can I just say one more thing, Amy? Sure. The, the fact that you did so much research on me, and I've been on a few podcasts, but the fact that you kind of, I really liked what you did there. Like, hey, let's talk here the topics. They weren't your topics. Like, they weren't topics you're interested in. I mean, I'm sure you're interested in them, but they weren't topics that are like, things that you did, you actually, you had to dig pretty deep to find all that stuff out about me. And I just want to say, I appreciate it. That made me feel really good. 
Oh, you're very welcome. I It's my pleasure. And listeners, everything is relative, right? You're selling for a long time. So it, it, this was a probably a 25-minute exercise. And Eric, I... I'm glad you're I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is I've had a lot of conversations while selling and it's one of my favorite ways to make it collaborative and so I'm I'm demonstrating friends through through these conversations and through these experiences how to start conversations with people that you've never had conversations with so that um, these sorts of sentiments are what we leave our prospects with um, when we walk away from that conversation. So, but with that, Eric, it was, it was my true pleasure. All right, everybody have an awesome day and I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. So that was Eric Konovalov on the intersection of mental health, awareness, and leadership skills. Anybody interested in scaling their performance next year, including the effectiveness of your buying teams that you aspire to influence, start by turning inward. Yes, it's hard. No, there is no other way. And you absolutely cannot go wrong with John C. Maxwell. And that wraps another installment of the Revenue Reel Hotline. Thank you for hanging out with us today through the remainder of the conversation. It means the world. If you found any value in things discussed, do tell a friend. I take that as the highest compliment. Truth, love, and joy, friends. Happy selling. <laughs>